It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We've got a big show, a lot to get to. Alan West on Should We Change the Theme Song at the University of Texas, as well as the illegal immigration crisis at our border. We'll talk to him about that, as well as a peace deal with the Taliban. And making, uh, doing a power share agreement in Afghanistan, a place where he fought. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to be popular with him. And Dr. Jeanette Neshwat, as good as they are in the business, from NYU, Fox News medical contributor. She's going to weigh in on the new CDC rules, uh, which are a bit uh, of a joke. If you're vaccinated, if you wait two weeks after your second shot, you can go visit your kids. Please. Enough. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to living our lives. Uh, Let's get the vaccine as quick as possible. Right now, um, we know today, um, we know today that uh, Senate GOP leaders are expected to hold a press conference. Why? Because they are upset about what passed over the weekend with this whole rescue bill. It's about to pass the House and could get banged into law and signed into law by President Biden at some point today. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Are there more women out there? I'm not going to speak for any other women's experiences. I just know that there were there were activities that happened that if the public knew about it, they would be really shocked and appalled. Analysts weighing in, one of the accusers of the governor. I will stay in unless you make me go. Those are the words of Governor Cuomo as he says, resigning, not happening. Impeach me or leave me alone. We'll tell you what the headwinds on the beleaguered governor are facing and what he's facing today. Number two. It is not a COVID relief package. It's more of a progressives payment plan because it pays everybody. It pays cities. It pays states. It pays prisoners. One percent goes to vaccines. Less than 10 percent goes to COVID relief. Yeah, and that's just a, that's just scraping the surface. Surface. How the networks are covering this story and not saying that is beyond me. COVID stimulus is about to pass. That's what's happening with the two trillion rescue plan as Dems unveil the truth. This is all about Bernie Sanders' socialistic dream, not a much needed rescue. Number one. I would say it's clear we need to work more on, on getting the message out and being very clear. Now is not the time to come. Yes, we are. We have changed the policies of the last administration as it relates to unaccompanied children. But the majority of families, adults, the vast, vast majority are turned away at the border. No, they're not. They're coming through. Uh, and it's the numbers are quadrupling. How about over 300 percent? Year to year, 350 percent single adults in Texas alone up 122% overall in Texas alone. Uh, incredible. Jen Psaki, what was she just saying? Now's not the time to come? How about go to your embassy and ask to come? How about applying for a green card? What do you mean now's not the time to come? Is it ever right to storm the border? Okay, it's a crisis. Anyone who sees the border knows the border would conclude what's happening at our southern border is beyond a crisis. It's a budding catastrophe. I'll tell you why it seems the Biden administration might not mind. I think they see future voters. 
I was the last one to say this because it's such a long process. But think about it. He's trying to jam a pathway to citizenship down our throats through executive orders, which should not fly, through legislation, which won't fly. You're not going to get 60 votes. Don't tell me it's economic related. That means you can go through reconciliation. So if you want to know the difference between administrations, listen to this. Jen Psaki, as they say, is saying the quiet part out loud when it comes to uh, what is happening at the border. By saying, don't come now, she's saying soon you'll be able to come. Cut one. I would say it's clear we need to work more on, on getting the message out and being very clear. Now is not the time to come. Yes, we are. We have changed the policies of the last administration as it relates to unaccompanied children. But the majority of families, adults, the vast, vast majority are turned away at the border. And that is a message that clearly we need to continue to look for means and ways of getting out, uh, you know, more and more out to the region. Oh, my goodness. She's in a tough spot. Uh, but please, it a ridiculous message. They got rid of the rem- in Mexico, otherwise known as the Migrant Protection Program, which keeps migrants in Mexico uh, for their hearings. And agreements with the Northern Triangle countries basically have been torn up. It is come one, come all. They're even coming in Biden T-shirts. Who is making the T-shirts? Who might be behind this massive influx that no one seems to be alarmed about except for a handful of people who care about the country? Cut three, Kaylee McEnany. This is ridiculous. And the problem with Joe Biden is we got him on the record on this very issue. We know in 2014, when the numbers were not as bad as they are now in terms of apprehensions, Biden called it a crisis then. So did Obama. So did Pelosi. Interestingly, in 2019, they called it a crisis on President Trump's watch when the numbers weren't as bad. So uh, that's the problem. Uh, this is uh, the same Joe Biden that voted for a fence, a wall in 2006, 650 miles. Now, more than 3,250 kids have come here over the past two weeks. 1,360, according to the New York Times, backed up by that by us, are staying in, quote, jail-like facilities. No social distancing. There's no room. And past the three days. But they won't let press there. So you're not going to get the outrage and the fictional stories that AOC came up with. Because they're not going to let cameras in there under the guise of the pandemic. Please notice the double standard. I'm going to point it out over and over again so you don't think you're crazy. I know and you know. Our goal is... If we definitely need workers, and some of these kids are, you know, obviously kids are kids wherever they are, but we can't raise the whole world's kids. And how is it fair to come storm our southern border? And are you more important than Syrian kids, Zambian kids, Nigerian kids, Costa Rican kids? No, you're not. There's a process. Everybody's got borders. You should not be ashamed to enforce them. Bruno Bruno Lozano is in a unique situation. He's the Del Rio, Texas mayor on the border. Cut five. I think it just showcases first and foremost that there is no plan right now. Unfortunately, there there hasn't been a plan since the title that was um, basically keeping migrants um, in, in the countries of origin or returning them to the country of origin. It, it was rescinded when, when President Biden took take office. And immediately after, we started to see an increase in migrants. And that puts a strain on local communities. We'll talk more about this with the head of the GOP in Texas, uh, our good friends, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, in about 20 minutes. Uh, but next, I'm going to be speaking about the coronavirus, which means let's speak a little about Cuomo right now. 
Uh, guy's in trouble. He's got five women who come forward, various degrees of uh, sexual harassment. Analysts spoke out, and uh, she's a former policy and operations aide to the governor, and she's accused him of sexual harassment. She talked a little bit about it. Cut 32. The kisses on the cheek, the, you know. In the office. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't as though it was invisible to anyone. Um, it was welcomed. I believe that my characterization of the administration and that workplace environment helps to support her story and to support Charlotte's story and to encourage other women to share how they felt. Okay. Uh, so he is, she has been characterized by the governor as a political enemy. Cut 33. Are there more women out there? I'm not going to speak for any other women's experiences. Um, I just know that there were there were ac- activities that happened that, if the public knew about it, they would they would be really shocked and appalled. So, at least 20 Democratic female lawmakers want to hold off on taking action while they do the investigation by the attorney general, has already hired an outside law firm. So. Uh, the New York State Assembly, Republicans are launching an impeachment effort, but they don't have enough numbers, obviously, in a blue state like the one I'm in. Governor Cuomo's top lawyer has left his administration. There's a lot of people who have left. and less than two years on the job, the guy is gone. Meanwhile, um, a report from Cuomo in particular in a brief phone conversation Sunday prior to the press conference, Cuomo told New York State Majority Leader Stuart Cousins, who asked for him to resign, said he will not quit and they would have to impeach him if they wanted him out of office, according to a person who was briefed on the phone call. So he's not going anywhere. He thinks there's going to be other stories that are going to overwhelm this. By the time the investigation comes out, he believes or indicates that he believes he'll be exonerated. We're not talking about the more serious story, the story with nursing homes where people actually died and the numbers were skewed, no doubt about it, and that's irresponsible. Interesting, looking at the network news and the coverage, over the past almost a year, nursing home deaths got 15 minutes and 35 seconds on network news. Harassment accusations over the past three weeks, 47 minutes, 59 seconds. People like the salacious uh, people like the, uh, you know, the personal stuff. But if you're somebody who has a uh, a grandmother, grandfather, your mom, your dad in a senior nursing home, you can relate to that story and the decisions made. Governor Whitmer and her decision to put uh, infected patients back in nursing homes causing the death of others, that's getting her sued. They're also looking at Governor Murphy. I look at Governor Cuomo and say worse than both. Because he had an option. Even if they told him, like Governor DeSantis told me the other day uh, on Friday, he says, well, they were telling us that our hospital is going to get overwhelmed, so put him back in nursing homes. I said, no way, and I don't believe your numbers. And let's say Governor Cuomo got spooked and listened to the numbers, even though we know he didn't listen to the numbers the rest of the year. That's why nine separate health officials have quit on him, and he got panicking and put him back in the nursing homes. I think it's worse because he had an option at the Javits Center. He had an option with the hospital ship to put seniors there. The other states didn't, although, you know, New Jersey could have made a deal. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. Uh, We're seeing the vaccines, 2.9 million vaccines given yesterday. We're picking up the pace uh, all around the country. That is good news. And also the new CDC guidelines. Then Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. As you could hear, a lot going on. So glad you're here. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Everyone, whether vaccinated or not, should continue to avoid medium and large-size gatherings as well as non-essential travel. And when in public spaces, should continue to wear a well-fitted mask, physically distance, and follow other public health measures to protect themselves as others. So what's changed Wow, living on the edge. So go get vaccinated and just live the same a sheltered life you've been living. I mean, there's nothing really changed by these guidelines. I know that you're worried about being sued, I guess, if somebody gets sick and goes by your guidelines. But they're so conservative, uh, I, I really worry about it. Dr. Jeanette Neshwat sees the other side of it, sees so many people who get this and don't recover, don't see their families. Uh, and maybe she wants to push back on me. She's Fox News medical contributor uh, and family and emergency medicine specialist. Dr. Neshwad, thanks so much for coming back. Hey, hey, Brian. Good morning. If I get vaccinated now, I wait two weeks and I could see my grandkids. If I get vaccinated, I could see other people without a mask, without being vaccinated indoors. But is that true? Yes, and it's important. This is exactly what we need. We need clear, concise guidelines to tell Americans we can resume activity, we can regain our social freedoms. Um, it's important to know what to do. When you have these guidelines and you set realistic expectations, that leads to more compliance. And so people, you know, they don't know, is it okay for me to go to my neighbors? Is it okay for me to go to my grandma's house? And the answer is yes. If you are vaccinated and you go to your grandparents' house or to someone's house and they are vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. If you go to someone's household and you are vaccinated and they are not and they are at low risk, you do not need to wear a mask. Um, so th- this is a, a good step in the right direction. I would like to see uh, Dr. Woolensey and the CDC go a little bit further and saying, look, if you're vaccinated, you should be able to travel. Um, if you're vaccinated, you can go to restaurants and to the gym and we should have concerts and, and uh, you know, outdoor uh, you know, events if you are fully vaccinated. Because remember, the risk of transmitting 
is low. And uh, we, uh, I can understand her wanting to take precautions um, and still use your mask, wear your mask in public areas, because remember, only 10% of Americans are fully vaccinated. So this is temporary. Probably in the next six to eight weeks, we're going to see updated guidelines that's going to allow us to do a lot more. But because we only have 10% of Americans vaccinated, we just want to hang in there a little bit longer, use the pre prevention measures, safety measures, just a little bit longer until we get uh, more Americans vaccinated. Well, in a way, I see what you're saying. But, for example, a lot of people don't want to wait another six weeks and maybe not have to. For example, if you're a senior and you've been vaccinated, you waited the two weeks, you got double vaccinations, and you want to see your grandkids, there's a chance you can carry it and give it to your grandchild, he or she. Well, they're, they're, they're low risk. Right, though. but go, you say if that. If you're vaccinated, go hug your grandchildren. Go to the supermarket. But, she, but they're not saying that, do. Dr. Neshwat. They're not well, saying I'm that. Saying it. I know, but I'm I saying that that's what bothers people who are strict rule followers. Just say there's yeah. a very, very low risk. So you're covering yourself saying it's possible because you know if that six-year-old gets the virus, they're going to walk it off and they're not going to really have any effects of it. If you go by the stats, 99.7 or 8 percent, right? That's correct. And we've got to look at the, the – you've got to balance the safety risks and the benefits. Remember the anxiety, the depression, the suicide, the alcohol abuse, the opioid abuse, yeah. the people being locked down, how it affects them mentally and emotionally. We see 20 people in Las Vegas that committed suicide because of the lockdown. That you know, So the, the, the problem can, uh, of COVID, the disease, is not as severe as some of these other diseases and uh, consequences that we're dealing with. That, that's, uh, that's the issue. Now, first off, we are picking up the pace on the vaccines. I think yesterday was 2.9 million, or if, it's, if there's a lagging result, I'm not sure. So we're picking it up, 2.9 million. Uh, what, we have Johnson & Johnson now on the market. Is there anything you're keeping your eye on that worries you? No, actually, that, that's a good question. I'm, I'm here at, at Capitol Hill with uh, Florida Congressman Walt, and we're talking about the importance of organization, communication, and executing a, a well-planned uh, vaccination uh, program like we see in Florida, like we see in West Virginia, like we see in, in Utah. So I think as long as we continue with um, the efforts of, of uh, having an organized distribution plan and continue to get Americans vaccinated, then we're on our way. You know, we've averaged between 1.5 and, and 2 million vaccines a day. I'd like to see that doubled. Um, we need to follow in the footsteps of what West Virginia is doing, what Florida is doing to get their um, uh, their their uh, constituents and those Americans uh, vaccinated. So we just need to keep keep moving with that, pushing forward. Yeah, so, and then we'll see if we can get it. Um, maybe we can get some mobile sites to people who are not mobile. I saw the drive-through working pretty well in Florida at two or three separate locations. Um, so a, a couple of things that I want to share with you, one of which is Alex Berenson. He said this about the vaccine's effectiveness, cut 23. It's increasingly clear that the vaccines aren't quite as effective as that. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 95% headline figure was given. So the honest thing to do would be to say, 
Look, the vaccines aren't 95% effective. They're not going to be the miracle that ends this tomorrow or in a week or a month. We're still going to have to live with this on some level. But, you know, once you're vaccinated, things do look better for you. You can drop a lot of the nonsense that, you know, we've been we've been telling you you need to do for the last year. And you can go out and you can hang out with people. But I think the CDC is very afraid that there will be cases of people getting vaccinated and sick or dying, as has as has happened in Israel. So do you see that? Uh, are we overstating the effectiveness of this vaccine? I don't think so. Here, here's the key that we need to remember, Brian. No deaths and no hospitalizations. I saw a lot of COVID patients this past weekend, many who tested positive, and I did not have to hospitalize any of them. That's the bottom line. We're decreasing the number of deaths. We're decreasing the number of hospitalizations. You, and that's what's important. Yeah. We may still have more cases, but the symptoms may be mild. Um, and, you know, for example, we were mentioning Florida. What are they doing in Florida? Why has the death rate gone down in Florida? Because exactly. they're vaccinating the people. Thanks, Dr. Jeanette Neshwa. took some time between events and patients to talk to us. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And let me talk to you about the, the lie that they're telling American people that this isn't a crisis. You're going to see in February 100,000. 100,000 in February. You're, you're going to see they're averaging between 4,000 and 5,000 a day individuals that they're apprehending. There is no doubt this is a crisis. And, and already in the, first, in the first five months, Sean, they've apprehended 400,000. 400,000 trying to illegally enter the country. All of 2020, that four, 458,000. We still have seven months to go, and we've already almost exceeded what we had in, in FY20. That is on the southern border, and then mostly Texas. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now, chairman of the Re- Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. My was Mark Morgan. He used to run things at the border. He can't believe all his work is falling apart. Colonel, what's the reality that you know on the border? Well, the, the reality is that it is completely unsecured, and Texas is being destabilized. The reality is that there is no uh, federal government control, oversight, or action when it comes to securing our border and stemming the tide of this flow of illegal immigrants. And we are back to the old catch-and-release program, which is even more detrimental now because we are in the era of the COVID-19, and we know that some 108 were uh, COVID uh, tested positive and that yet they were taken to a bus station in uh, Brownsville, Texas and released. So the governor has started Operation Lone Star because uh, we here in Texas have to stand up and do something about securing this border. And our constitution gives a state, a sovereign state, the right to be able to secure his board. And I think that that's what Texas is going to have to do because President Biden has completely abdicated his role and responsibility. And he is instituting and implementing an open borders policy by executive order. So immigration authorities are expected to announce this week that there was close to 100,000 apprehensions, including encounters of port entries in February alone. That, according to people familiar with the agency, 3,250 unaccompanied minors in just two weeks. And we also know that um, for men, single men coming across the Mm -hmm. Texas border, the numbers go up 350 percent. That's just not the way you do it. Correct. 
I mean, Jen Psaki says, no, now is not the time to come. That's not the right message. No, there's a way to do things. We have set up ways to do things. Tell them how to do it in their countries. Don't make them think it's worth a thousand-mile journey on foot through dangerous terrain to get here. Yeah, but I think that what you saw with the Biden administration coming in was such a rush to say that we are completely undoing everything that President Trump did, Uh, even though what President Trump did was safety and security of our borders, making sure that our border communities, you look at McAllen, you look at Brownsville, you you look at Del Rio. I was down in Del Rio a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, You're destabilizing these communities. You're overwhelming these communities. And and it's not just the fact that it's the mass amount of people. People and and the under the uh, the underage kids, but it is also the drug issue. It's also the human and sex trafficking issue. Texas is the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking. And Dallas and Houston are the top two cities. We don't need this happening. We don't need the drug cartels freely operating. We don't need more drugs flowing in to to Texas. And so you you think about the 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 executive order where uh, Mr. Biden did not want, I mean, he wanted us to stop deportations. Thank God the Attorney General Ken Paxson won that lawsuit against him. So this has to really, it's so disconcerting that you have a president of the United States of America that is not interested in securing the United States of America. Here's what Britt Hume said yesterday about what this means to Biden politically. Cut 13. Um, They're calling it a challenge. Maybe we can agree on a better term, a hell of a mess. Uh, it took him a while. He went through many fits and starts and problems. Uh, but Donald Trump and his administration eventually got that border situation down there under pretty good control to a combination of the wall to uh, the uh, uh, agreements with, uh, with the neighboring countries to hold back some of these immigrants and have them apply for asylum from, from their countries and so on. Uh, and Biden came in, basically blew it all up. And now we got a mess on our hands, an entirely predictable consequence of a kind of willy-nilly set of executive actions, undoing executive actions and other measures taken by the previous administration. Uh, it's clear to me now that, that for, for all political purposes, uh, Mr. Biden and his team now own this problem. Susan Rice headed a delegation with Mayorkas to go down there and see for themselves. They came back, and yesterday, all day, so they were back Sunday and Monday, they said, yeah, we have yet to brief the president. What is more important than briefing the president on your emergency mission as domestic policy advisor? Well, that shows you that the trip down there was just about optics, and they're not serious about it. And again, you hear uh, Jen Psaki and Ms. Circleback, uh, this is not a crisis, it's just a challenge. And so they haven't gotten to understand the criticality of the situation. And so, you know, you're going to leave it up to sovereign states to be able to do what is necessary because, again, they are abdicating their role and responsibility, which is, you know, constitutional, to be able to secure our borders. And the fact that Susan Rice, uh, holdover from the Obama administration, of course, is not briefing the president on this. This, this is something that immediately, if, if Joe Biden wanted to come and see what's going on in Texas, he should have gone down to the border instead of coming down two weeks after the winter storm uh, down to Houston. So this shows, again, that this is not a priority issue for this administration. What is more important is nationalizing elections, which H.R. 1, more important, H.R. 5, more important, is a wasted one9 trillion dollars of stimulus when they haven't even spent all the money from the previous COVID stimulus package. Right. So that's 
that's so is incredibly disturbing. So now your governor came out and said no more mass mandate. We're back open to 100 percent. Still take your precautions. And now he's been called Neanderthal thinking last week. Do you know Connecticut did just about the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, they did the exact same thing. And this is what we all have to understand. What is the, the mentality of the progressive socialist left? Do they want to keep us locked down in control. perpetuity? Do they want to? Yeah, it's control. And that's what they are afraid of losing. They they are just so uh, wedded to this control and being able to dominate people. And they don't want us to have our freedoms and liberties. They would rather see all of our small, many of our small businesses who have been decimated, yeah. destroyed. Think about the lives that have been lost for suicide sides and things of this nature. That's what they care about. They don't even care about our kids. You know, they're they're more so concerned about the kids that have come across our border illegally than the kids that they are keeping out of school and, you know, sending them backwards in their educational advancement. No, I hear you. Uh, Colonel, then something else maybe doesn't have the impact of the border uh, the chaos, but the, what about this controversy at the University of Texas and their fight song, their, the, the school song, uh, uh, being racist and they're looking to ban Texas. it? Yeah, you know, last football season, there were several uh, of the band members that said they would not play the odds of Texas uh, at the upcoming uh, football game. I think it was against Baylor. And this is where we need adults to step in, Brian, because if I'm the band director at University of Texas, I say, fine, turn in your freaking tuba and your uniform, and you're off the band. But instead, they say, okay, uh, we won't play it. And so if we continue to allow this council culture to, uh, to, to grow and metastasize, if we continue to acquiesce and appease and compromise and, and really be subjugated to it, then the next thing you know, you see what is happening. Pepe Le Pew can't even be uh, on the cartoons anymore. So it is very, you know, it's confusing what, what we see happening, that adults don't want to stand up and say, we're sick and tired of you guys saying everything is racist. You know, everything is not racist. I was born in a blacks-only hospital in 1961, so I think I kind of know about, you know, what real racism is. But playing the eyes of Texas at a football game or, you know, or the pep band, that's not racist. So you guys commissioned a 24-person committee tasked with examining the history of the eyes of Texas. The committee included former athletes, current students, and alumni. On Tuesday morning, the university uh, today will release the work of the eyes of Texas. The report will is nearly 100 pages long and will feature videos Mm -hmm. and extensive footnotes. Texas Monthly has learned the report's major findings. Most notably, the panel failed to uncover any racist intent with the lyrics, nor could find any historical connection between the lyrics and anything said or written uh, by the author as had previously been believed, though it did find connection to a different Confederate general. So... You know, oh, would you but, feel better why now? Why do we have to go through all that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why do we have to go through all of that? I mean, why couldn't someone just stand up and say, we're going to continue to play it. You don't like it. You don't have to be in the band. Okay, you can move on. But, you know, think about this. Right now, there's a, a commission that is meeting to rename our, our military bases. Now, I served at Fort Bragg. I served at Fort Hood. That was my last uh, duty station. Braxton Bragg is the, the person, the Confederate general for whom Fort Bragg is named after. John Bell Hood was the general for whom Fort Hood is named after. Neither one of those Confederate generals ever dropped me for push-ups. They never had anything to do with me when I was stationed there. And so why are we going through this rigmarole of having a commission that's going to get paid to do a research study to look at changing the names of these military installations when we should just tell people, I know, the heck with it. Just move on. 
But, uh, okay, history is there for you to learn from. But General and, McChrystal, and, and General Mattis all signed on to that. General Petraeus all signed on to that change. And, and that's why I, I just don't understand where are the adults in, in this country? Where are the you know, generals that stand up and say, hey, this is foolishness. You know what we need to be focused on? We need to be focused on China. We need to be focused on making sure that our military, our capability and capacity is ready for the challenges in this 21st century, especially with a China or, or with an Iran or with, you know, the uh, Islamic right. terrorism that, that we have. But worrying about changing names to a military base, think about what these countries, uh, our adversaries are saying about us right now. They're more so, so concerned about military base name changing. Listen, and while they're decimating and undermining their military force. And, and I want to get one more topic in, but, you know, France is uh, is making uh, making moves right now to make sure the American woke culture doesn't infect their society. And I asked Pierce Morgan, mm-hmm. what about, uh, how do you view it in the U.K.? He goes, they, they want to take down Winston Churchill's statue. Uh, they're trying to take down uh, all part of her past, apologize for colonialism 250 years ago. He said people want no part of it. There's already moves to prevent it. And they're giving us the blame. Do you believe that? American society is hurting our allies. How embarrassing is that? It's incredibly embarrassing. And again, it comes back to the premise that I said, when are we going to have adults to stand up and say enough of this? And I think it has to start in our local levels and, and you know, build. I hope so. Up, but I don't. Yeah. So there's some force behind it. I, I got to ask you about Afghanistan. The latest move mm-hmm. for the May 1st pullout. And I don't like the way we're getting out under President Trump, to be clear. Uh, and I know we can't be there forever, but we weren't fighting every day. We were trying to stand up that government and that army. But now they're going to meet in maybe Turkey and talk about a power-sharing agreement and learn long-term fix to their 50-year strife. Taliban well, will share first, power with this government? Yeah. How is that going to go? Yeah, yeah. The, the Taliban is not going to share power with anybody, and, and the fact that you would sit down and negotiate, bring to the table a radical Islamic uh, terrorist group, that undermines your power and your authority. And, and to have it in Turkey, which you know Erdogan is not exactly the uh, nicest actor out there and a friend of the United States of America as well. So I think that what you have to look at is how can you have that residual force that is capable of doing this type of strike operations exactly. that keeps these uh, terrorist groups from reestablishing any kind of base of operation. That's it. You know, you don't need to have an occupation force. You just need to be able to keep them on their heels and let them know that in the middle of the night, you can show up and make sure that they get their 72 virgins. Keep eyes on them uh, so we, they don't hit us. That's, a, that's easy. That's right. Colonel, uh, and by the way, China and Iran and Russia will be more than happy to step in and strip that country of all their natural resources uh, and oh, also foment the terror. Um, You're absolutely right. Uh, Colonel, you got your hands full. Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas with a huge border problem. But I'll tell you, Republicans every day are getting more and more to run on in the midterms. Uh, Colonel, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. You take care, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. I see you up there from Ohio to Jacksonville to South Bend. We'll be making all the stops when we come back on the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I want to thank you both, and I want to thank the 
the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about. How terrible is that? He did not, the outfit is called the Pentagon. The place, uh, the title is called Secretary of Defense. He's a, a former general, uh, just retired General Austin. My goodness, we all get we all get caught on words, no question about it. But this is getting scary. And the way he like zones into his teleprompter, which obviously is too far away, really gets you wondering what our what our allies and enemies are thinking. Ricardo, you're over in Texas. What's on your mind, Ricardo? Brian, good morning. How are you, man? Good. Listen, Brian, I'm here about an hour and a half north of the Matamoros Bridge which is the one that they just opened up. And I was telling Pete that, uh, you know, I go out of my way to ask people if they're happy about this, and we're not. I haven't met anybody, without asking of any political affiliation, I haven't met anybody that's happy about this, especially when, you know, they're asking us to take care because of this COVID, yet these kids are coming in. You know, we also have kids. We also have family that we want to take care of, and we've been trying real hard to do so. Yet President Biden and his administration has no consideration for anybody other than what 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 the political you know uh, pitfalls may be with this with allowing these. And Ricardo, they should be in all that they should be in Ecuador, Guatemala, and Honduras right now. Uh, they should be talking to those governments right now, tell them their aid is at stake if they can't control their population. Let them know that maybe their policy is loosening up the immigration laws in a way in which allows more workers to come here. That might work. That might be something Republicans can buy into, but not illegal immigration. But instead, they don't even brief the president. They go on a weekend excursion to evaluate it, and they don't even brief the president. How's he supposed to take action? Or is he even in charge? William WTRC in South Bend. William. Brian, thank you for taking the call. I watch you every morning, watch Fox. Um, thank you. That's exactly what I was telling Pete was the fact that I truly, you know, we all had doubts about him. I truly believe, and I'm talking about O'Biden, I truly don't believe that he has no idea what he's saying. He's reading what's put in front of him. They haven't even come back to brief him on anything yet. Nope. This is just absolutely asinine. He has no idea what's going on. And you're right. It is scary. He can't even say, I've seen it several times, the same thing. He's zeroing in on that teleprompter because he has, he's totally oblivious. Right. Other countries are looking at us, and I believe that we are laughing. stock. they know that there isn't a President Trump in place anymore, and that they're going to go ahead and start making all kinds of moves to strong arm, strong arm against us. William, and no one true. ever doubted President Trump was in charge and willing to take action. Nobody, even his greatest Absolutely. enemy. Ben, WOKV in Jacksonville. Ben. Greetings from the free state of Florida, your second home, from one parent of children, uh, girls, to another. Florida's A-rated schools are open, and they play soccer year-round. I know. Uh, they're playing sports on time and getting through the season. Now, I just got to hope you guys survive survive spring break. Yeah, exactly. We will. Uh, great interview with Governor DeSantis. My question is, Attorney General uh, Ashlyn Moody has brought up a suit against the Biden yep. administration. 
What do you think are the chances of its success in this political environment? They got a solid. I mean, I'm not a legal expert, but they have real solid ground uh, to enforce the laws that are on the books and talk about what's constitutional, allowing criminals to run wild and not allowing local authorities to scoop them up and lock them up. I mean, come on. There's something fundamentally wrong with that. And other states are joined in this lawsuit, too. They're trying to disempower ICE, take down the border wall, uh, allow everybody in. What is going on? Whose agenda is this? The mistakes I make are mistakes. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Come from, Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. The Brian Kilmeade Show, queued up and ready to go. Uh, we're going to be joined, uh, Barney and Company, in about 45 minutes. The number one show on all business television, and that'll be a simulcast. And we'll be taking your calls at 1-866-408-7669. Uh, in a matter of moments, too, Congressman Henry Cuellar. The last time I was at the border, was with the congressman from Texas, uh, a Democrat who knows the word crisis and knows there's no politics at the border. Uh, there's just right and wrong. We're going to discuss that in just a second. Uh, because we know the Republicans having a a uh, the Republicans are having a press conference today on the Senate side. Uh, they're going to talk about the rescue plan that's more than likely going to pass uh, the House today. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. Are there more women out there? I'm not going to speak for any other women's experiences. I just know that there were there were activities that happened that. If the public knew about it, they would be really shocked and appalled. Yep. Uh, analysts, are there more? So far, Governor Cuomo says, simple as this. I'm waiting for the investigation. Will his fellow Democrats wait? Number two. It is not a COVID relief package. It's more of a progressives payment plan because it pays everybody. It pays cities. It pays states. It pays prisoners. One percent goes to vaccines. Less than 10 percent goes to COVID relief. And yet there's celebration for all progressives. That's a quote from Jen Psaki. Number one. I would say it's clear we need to work more on, on getting the message out and being very clear. Now is not the time to come. Yes, we are. We have changed the policies of the last administration as it relates to unaccompanied children. But the majority of families, adults, the vast, vast majority are turned away at the border. Well, the vast majority. Is that really happening? OK, can we say crisis? Even if you don't, can we say catastrophe? That's where we're heading. Let's bring in uh, Congressman. Uh, uh, Henry Cuellar, who is, uh, knows the border, the good times and bad times. He doesn't see politics. Uh, he wants to solve the problem. Congressman, welcome back. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. These numbers are scary. 1,360, according to the New York Times, in children in what they are calling jail-like facilities for more than three days. 3,250 uh, unaccompanied minors over the last two weeks. Uh, what is going on? 
Well, you know, we certainly are seeing the numbers uh, increase. I've been looking at the numbers. Uh, I got um, numbers I've been looking for the last uh, four or five years, and certainly the uh, the uh, October, November, December, January, and February are higher numbers in total encounters uh, than we've seen in the last uh, four or five years on that. So uh, numbers are increasing. No ifs, no buts about that. What worries you most? Well, you know, uh, how do we uh, handle a growing number of people coming into the United States uh, in a pandemic? I mean, we've had uh, larger numbers. In fact, uh, let's say May of uh, 2019, there were a little bit over 144,000 individuals that particular month in in May of 2019. Uh, This February, I think we're seeing about 100,000. So we're still below that number. But when you add a pandemic to this, and we're saying there's not been enough uh, vaccines on the border, and uh, our hospitals are doing a little better, but they're still overloaded. That's uh, that's what worries me. If people are being released in our communities, you know what bothers me, Congressman, is that he, uh, the President Biden sent a delegation down to the border. They still have not briefed him on what they saw. Were you with Susan Rice and the delegation? And what would you tell them if you uh, if, if they're listening now? Well, you know, without due respect, uh, I don't think no member of Congress uh, got uh, told that. They came uh, into my district uh, in the southern part uh, of uh, the valley. Then they came to my hometown of Laredo. Then they drove into Tony Gonzalez. So there were at least three, four members that I think they should have given the courtesy to let them uh, let them know. And again, without due respect, coming in for a few hours uh, doesn't substitute for people uh, on the border that live there and uh, talk to Border Patrol, talk to NGOs uh, all the time. We don't just go in for a few hours and think that we know the better the border better. So what, it's amazing they won't reach out to you because because you know this deal upside and da- upside uh, upside down and forwards and you have the respect of both sides of the aisle. When I was with you, Donald Trump was president and things were out of control of the border and we were allowed to tell the story. So now it's out of control of the border and it doesn't seem to alarm those in the White House. And I wonder why. Well, I I think with all due respect, um, I've told the White House uh, that um, the people I've talked to, I said, look, it's okay to listen to immigration activists, but you got to balance the input from community leaders. I'm talking about the mayors, the judges, you know, the folks, the NGOs that are at the border that live there day after day. Um, and, and that's the only thing is you got to have a balanced approach to the border and not just listen to immigration activists. I mean, I, I respect their opinions, but you still got to respect and take the input from community leaders, the people that live at the border day after day. Well, listen, nobody's told Joe Biden about the border. In 2006, he bought he, he signed on for the Secure Fence Act. We have Chuck Schumer and Harry Reid talking about the need to secure the border and even the, the, the illogical part of the lottery where one person comes in and they send their whole family in. I want you to hear what Tucker Carlson said last night because he brought you up in his monologue, Cut 15. In the span of just four years, Star County, Texas moved from deep blue to almost red. Donald Trump finished within just five points of Joe Biden. That's a swing of over 50 points. And the numbers are even more dramatic in nearby Zapata County. Donald Trump lost Zapata County in 2016 by 33 points, but last November, 
he easily beat Joe Biden. Now, to the geniuses looking at these numbers in Washington, trying to figure out what they mean, is that Starr and Zapati counties are overwhelmingly Hispanic. So how could Hispanics support Donald Trump in numbers like that? They must be QAnon people. And not only were those two counties non-white, they're very poor, legitimately, as we said, some of the poorest places in the United States. Nearly a third of the residents of Starr County, Texas, live in poverty. The median household income in both those counties, Starr and Zapata, is under $35,000 a year. But they're voting for Trump. What the hell is going on? Well, a lot of things are going on, probably. But uncontrolled illegal immigration definitely is one of them, probably the main one. So, and then he led to a soundbite with you talking like you are now about being a problem and not talking about who's president. And was any, the, what Tucker cited was the fact after this last election. So even if you're talking about pure politics, it's to Joe Biden's benefit and his party's benefit to have some logic at the border, right? Well, yes. I mean, you know, certainly we got to have uh, a humane process, but you still got to have law and order uh, at the border. Uh, the people that I represent, you mentioned Zapata and Stark County. Yes, those are the people that I represent. Was there a political realignment? No. A political realignment is when they vote for every single Republican down the ballot. They did vote uh, for uh, Donald Trump for larger numbers than I've seen. Uh, I won those counties uh, easily. Uh, but, you know, we got to understand what happened there. The messaging of defunding the police and the oil and gas issues, yes, uh, those were key in those areas. And uh, it was interesting on uh, border issues. Uh, you know, people don't want the wall, but they still want border security. They want enough border patrol down there. They want technology. They want to make sure that we secure the border uh, in, in, a, uh, in a way that, uh, you know, prevents this type of situations that we're seeing right now. So they tried to primary you. You looked at it for Democrats as a problem, right? It didn't work. But are, are you getting out of step with your party? No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I've been the, the, the same person. I, I've been voting the same way. But, you know, there are some people on the far left that feel that if you're a, a Hispanic Democrat, you have to be very liberal. And I disagree with that because Hispanics, especially, you know, and every Hispanic is, is different. Uh, Hispanics on the southern border are different in Texas or different from California or uh, or or New York or even Florida, or uh, different Hispanics. And you got to be able to understand uh, your community. Uh, Congressman, I know you have to run. So real quick, the message that's getting to the triangle countries, what is it? Who are these they're coming across with Joe Biden T-shirts on. Who's handing them out? Who's behind the massive migration to our southern border, in your case, Texas? Well, I, when I saw that, I said, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Whoever's doing that, I just cannot believe it. You know, uh, it led us in, you know, the message was that, look, let me talk about messaging. There's three messages uh, that are down there in the, uh, in the uh, Central America and other places. Uh, and message number one, uh, don't come now. Uh, come later. That's coming from the administration and from the secretary. Message number two, I call it the family friends network. Hey, guess what? I was able to get in. Uh, if you come in, you can get in right now. That's message number two. I call that the family friends network. The third message is from the criminal organizations. Hey, we can get you in. This is the time to get in. Now, you tell me if you're down there 
what messages are you going to listen? They're not going to listen to message number one. They're going to listen to message number two, which is a family, friend, network, and uh, message number three, uh, three from the criminal organizations. That is the message that we're hearing right now. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that they're taking, and I know that because I've talked to people, I've talked to Border Patrol, that is what's working down there. The message from the administration has to be clear, has to be concise. Otherwise, they're going to continue listening to message number two and number three. And I'm going to drill down on number one. I don't like that message. Come later. That means, no, no. We're going, we're going to make clear instructions how to get here, get your green card, working visas, a pathway, to whatever it is. But just do it the right way, whether it's Romania, Zambia, Brazil. They're, they're going through a process. So they got to go through the same process. Now, can we make it easier for hardworking people from that nation who want to come and work here? Absolutely. But we can't say come later to the border because we're going to just be overwhelmed later. Do you agree? Exactly. I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree, uh, Brian, on that because, I, I mean, without due respect, that's not a message. What does that mean? Uh, uh, don't come now, come later? Nuts. No. Uh, message number two, number three, the family, uh, uh, neighbors uh, type of uh, network uh, uh, is going to overwhelm uh, the don't come now. You have to have the administration has to have a very clear, concise message. And like you said, hey, we're not going to let you in if you come in illegally, but if you follow the process, we'll let you in. It's got to be clear and concise. Right. Otherwise, it's going to be drawn out by the other two messages. And I'm going to add this. The people that I saw and you see every day look like good people. A little a three-year-old with a backpack on, no one has anything against that. These kids, we just know we can't digest three or four countries in our country, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I feel very, very, and in fact, this weekend or uh, this week, I'm hoping to go with Senator John Cornyn. We're going to go visit, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the area there in Carrizos where they got a lot of kids. So we're going to see those kids. I mean, our heart breaks for those young kids on that, but there's got to be a process. Uh, I mean, I, 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 as a parent, I wouldn't like to send my kids and put them in the hands of coyote cr- criminals. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I mean, I mean, look, quite honestly, some of them are going to be raped. Some of them are never going to make it because some bad guy is going to say, you are going to stay here with me. That happens all the time. There's got to be a better way than leaving those young kids in the hand of criminal organizations. But he says that if you she says if a kid comes here, you're getting in. She said that on Friday, Jen Psaki. My goodness, I almost fell out. I almost hit a pole. I was driving a car when I heard her say that. That's not humane. That's a go sign. For for parents to pay off some uh, human trafficker to get them up to our southern border. Uh, they say it's worth it to sell everything I have to give my kid a better life. That's not humane. Lastly, do you believe that governor, uh, the governor of Texas should be, accept federal money on testing for these uh, illegal immigrants coming to our border? Well, listen, we already, uh, without due respect to the, to the governor, I already set up a program that actually gets money to help reimburse the local communities. Uh, I don't know if that's what the governor is referring to, but I can tell you I set up a program that there's monies that will reimburse the local communities because otherwise my NGOs are paying for all this. They're paying for the food. They're paying for uh, the testing. They're paying for housing. My local communities are bearing the cost right now. Uh, and, And if they're coming in, then somebody has to bear the cost, and I don't think the local community. So actually there is a program already that I set up about uh, two years ago. 
Congressman Cuellar, don't walk away from any microphones. People need to hear your message. Congressman Henry Cuellar, thank you so much. Thank you so much. God you bless. Got you got it. one 408 7669 We're going to come back with your phone calls. That was a Democrat from Texas who cares more about the country than he does his party, which is admirable and way too rare. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Senator Manchin uh, and Senator Sanders and a range of Democrats in between just voted to support a $1.9 trillion package that is the most progressive piece of legislation in history. So uh, I would say we feel pretty good about that. How? Oh, you got to be kidding me. You feel good about that. You're actually saying most progressive in history. Who did we elect? Joe Biden? Or Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders was winning in the polls, and they panic among the Democrats where no socialist would ever get elected in America. we got to quickly get Joe Biden and wake him up and revitalize his campaign. He wins South Carolina thanks to a certain congressman from that area, and then they end up winning South Carolina and getting the nomination because they panicked, because they didn't want that progressive far-left agenda. America wouldn't have bought it, but now you're giving it to us with the pipelines, with the drilling, with the border, and now with the $1.9 trillion, even though we added 370,000 jobs last month. Kelly McEnany, hearing Jen Psaki, saw the difference and just sees the difference, uh, different way in which the media handles both of them. Cut 17. President Trump did five iterations of bipartisan COVID relief. Imagine if he had promised bipartisanship the entirety of the election, reaching across the aisle, the great deal maker. And then I stood at the podium and said, we just passed the most conservative bill in modern history with not a single Democrat by our side. We'd be mocked. We'd be ridiculed. But they're saying the quiet part out loud. This is the most progressive bill. It's a liberal wish list with a $2 trillion price tag that we will all have to live with. Wow. Uh, Tony, listening in Florida. Hey, Tony. Hey, morning, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Good. You got to talk about the border, right? Yes, sir. First thing I want to say, man, I think you can be the next um, rush. You know that? Well, thank you for thinking that. Uh, I don't think there will be a next rush, but I, I, I love keeping up with everything. And uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see where we go from here. But what's on your mind? Right. Well, I'm a retired uh, veteran. I'm also a, a foreigner from Guyana who came here. The right way. My brother sponsored me, and we came here on a green card. I worked one year in the factory in New York City, decided that's not going to get me anywhere, so I joined the military. I retired from the military and defended this country in Desert Storm and the rest of the wars. And I feel kind of uh, mad because now we're taking care of all these people that's coming across the border. It's costing us Millions and millions of dollars. And my sister, who worked for 40-something years in New York City, only makes $800 in Social Security. Nobody's thinking about these older folks. And she has to live with her sister just to get by. It's unbelievable. That's what people, Tony, people should compare what's happening at the southern border to people like you. You didn't have an easy life. 
but you did it the right way. You paid your fees, and then you actually served the country. I mean, there's no reason why Ecuador should have a leg up on Brazil or Nigeria or Norway. Come on. That's the comparison. Everyone's got a big heart, but we have a big country that has big laws that should be observed. When we come back, Jack Cittarelli. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Are you confident that New Jersey did not undercount or deliberately or otherwise nursing home deaths? Our health department, our commissioner was explicit, uh, black and white. If you readmit a previously COVID positive resident, they need to be segregated. Uh, They need to be separated. Uh, into either their own floor, their own wing, their own building, and staff as well. We said to long-term care facilities, by the way, if you can't separate, come to us and we will find another alternative. And many did. So you're so, confident uh, in the numbers. Those were a set of steps. I'm confident in the numbers, yes, okay. sadly. I mean, it's tragic. We were clobbered. Uh, that is Congress, uh, excuse me, that is uh, Governor Murphy of New Jersey uh, trying to say, hey, I didn't have the same problem that Governor Cuomo had uh, with nursing homes, putting them back in. But if you're putting them into the same facility and you say it's quarantined to the same floor, it didn't seem to have been like that. And we'll find out when an investigation reveals, because now in Michigan, you've got that governor being sued and Pennsylvania, they had the same policy. Uh, joining us now to talk about this is a candidate for governor in the Republican side, Jack Cetarelli, a New Jersey Republican governor candidate, of course, and former New Jersey state assemblyman, uh, and thinks there's an opportunity now for a Republican like Governor Christie did uh, and shocked the world uh, to emerge and, and maybe give a real run in that state that maybe the same thing could happen in New York. Uh, Jack, welcome. Brian, great to be with you. All right. So first off, do you think Governor Murphy was telling the truth? Well, we'll find out. I've submitted a number of OPA requests uh, to find out whether or not that is the truth. We want to see all communications that took place between the Murphy administration and the Cuomo administration. We also want to see any and all deliberations that led to the executive order that ordered nursing homes to take in COVID-19 patients. And let me also say, Brian, at this at this time, the Republican legislators in New Jersey have are conducting their own hearings uh, to find out the real truth of the matter. The Democrats had promised hearings, but they never took place. And um, the ironic thing about all this is in Bridgegate, nobody died and the Democrats had hearings. In this case, people died, and yet we can't seem to get the Democrats to participate in hearings. But it's a Democrat-run state. They're pretty much calling the shots like New York, correct? They control all three branches of government, the, the executive branch with Murphy, the Uh, legislative branch, which they've done for more than two decades. And I'm going to go as far as to say, Brian, they also control the judicial branch. I sued the governor uh, to prevent him from borrowing the balanced state budget, which time has shown he did not need to borrow. Um, And the Supreme Court sided with him 7-0, despite the fact that our state constitution is very clear, Brian, you cannot borrow to balance the state budget. So uh, why do you think you can win? 
I can win because he's wrong for New Jersey. Uh, he didn't go to school here. He didn't work here. Never owned a business here. He's from Massachusetts. I believe he's tone deaf, and he just doesn't get it. And his handling of the pandemic has only made things worse. He's failed with regard to nursing homes. We lead the nation in nursing home debts. One out of three small businesses have closed their doors forever. Mom and pop shops that have been on Main Street for generations. His lack of leadership has kept children out of schools, and he's botched the rollout of the vaccination. Um, his policy on the vaccination in New Jersey is pretty much boiled down to, if you want to get vaccinated, start smoking and get arrested. Because he gave smokers preference. He had only one million doses of the vaccine, and he changed the eligibility criteria to open it up to four million New Jerseyans, including smokers of any age. Even the leading cardiologist in the country questioned that policy. It created a free-for-all. Systems crashed. My goodness, when someone shows up to the vaccination site, they don't even need a letter from their doctor verifying that they're a smoker. So I'm not anti-smoker, but you get my point. We still have 80-year-olds in this state that haven't been vaccinated. Why are we vaccinating 24-year-old smokers? Uh, also, when it comes to games, he is not, uh, he's very slow to fill up stadiums. Would you be the same way? Do you think the more you have more of the Florida model or the more of the New York model? We've got to get this economy open again, Brian. I've said all along that we have to save lives. But I think we have to challenge ourselves to also save livelihoods. We can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. There's a whole lot more we know now that we didn't know a year ago. There's no reason for restaurants to be at 50% or at 35% or whatever he's got them at right now. There's no reason for curfews. I believe you have to get all the information out there and then let people self-regulate. Let me be clear. I'm not diminishing the contagiousness of the virus or the deadliness of the virus, particularly for those most vulnerable. My nursing home resident mother, who's 89, has lost a number of her fellow residents. But at the same time, there's a whole lot more we need. To, we know today. Let's get this economy open. Uh, Jack Cetarelli, our guest. What did you learn from Governor Christie? Well, you've got to go places Republicans typically don't go. And I've won seven races in this state, two at the municipal level, two at the county level, and three in the state legislature. I've always term-limited myself. I didn't even take the pay or the, or the benefits uh, at the various levels. But you have to go places Republicans typically don't go. And you've got to talk about the things we all agree on. And everyone in this state agrees that property taxes are too high and our business climate stinks. We've got a public pension problem. And that this administration, Brian, has been administratively incompetent. People waiting five hours online at motor vehicles, people waiting four, five, six months for their unemployment benefits. So this administration has not been able to meet the, the uh, pandemic. And um, I think it's been a failure. And over the course of the next nine months, that's the story we're going to tell to the people of New Jersey. And I believe it's going to result in a win for Republicans this November. And, and that's not just for the governorship, Brian. All 120 seats in the state legislature. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's got to be some type of change because uh, it's not working out. And the shutdown culture has got the same numbers as the open them up and give it a try culture uh, of Florida, uh, of Ohio. Brian, Florida has twice the population of New Jersey, one half the nursing home deaths. They've been open, and yet they do not lead the nation in overall deaths. Okay, they're right in the middle of the 50 states. So the governor down there has done a great job uh, of adjusting the idle, if you will. We haven't done that here in New Jersey. So you won seven races in the past. Uh, No Democrat governor has managed to get elected to a second term. So the odds are in for a Republican uh, being successful. But has the is the state of New Jersey gone that way or do you think they're getting bluer? 
I don't believe they're getting bluer. The, the party that dictates the outcomes of statewide elections in New Jersey are the 2.4 million unaffiliated independent voters who lean right, who are fiscally conservative. When you add their numbers to our 1.4 million Republicans, I say advantage Republicans. We've controlled the executive branch more than Democrats over the last 40 years. And here's another fact, Brian. Every time the country has sent the Democrat to the White House, the very next year, New Jersey has elected a Republican. So those are two facts that tell us a Republican can win. I believe I am that Republican in those seven races. Not only do I go places that Republicans typically don't go, but six of the seven times Democrats outnumbered Republicans in those races. I know how to win these races. Well, we'll see. And your background, your family background? Uh, the Cetarellis have been here for 100 years. My grandparents immigrated from Italy about 100 years ago. Um, I'm one of four children. My wife and I are married 26 years. We have four children in their 20s. I'm an MBA CPA. I'm a two-time very successful business owner here in New Jersey. Had one business in the 90s that I built up and sold, and then another one in the first two decades of the 2000s. Um, we've done well in here in New Jersey. Uh, we love New Jersey, but realize it's broken. So the tagline for this campaign, Brian, is let's fix New Jersey. I believe I'm the NBA CPA to do it. Well, we'll see. And we'll also see that if uh, how you feel about Governor Cuomo. From what you've seen, from what you've read, do you believe he's going he's to survive this? Um, I, I'm starting to feel more and more as though he won't survive it because every day there's a new story of the work environment, uh, wherever it was that he interfaced with his, uh, his coworkers and subordinates. So we'll see. Uh, but listen, what he did with the count in the nursing homes, I think, is grounds alone for having to leave office. You lose all your credibility with that kind of cover-up. And uh, I think it's just terrible that they were not reporting the truth with regard to nursing home deaths. Appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Jack Cetarelli, appreciate it. New Jersey Republican candidate uh, and former New Jersey State Assemblyman. Jack, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Looking forward to the next time. And you got to uh, follow me on Twitter, at Jack4NJ. Uh, thank you. Let's go to the phones where we have Howard listen on WABC in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Hey, Howard. Hey, Brian. Uh, got a question for you. Um, I just want to state I, uh, I'm a Republican and I'm a big Trump guy. Uh, I'm appalled by what H.R. Uh, 1 wants to do with the elections, uh, but want to know what you think about why is it that Republicans – can't do all the things that the Democrats do, like ballot harvesting and, uh, you know, uh, the Dropbox stuff and all that. Why, why is it Republicans can't turn that to their advantage, you know, the way the Democrats have? Well, I mean, that's true. There's a different strategy. I mean, the Republicans under Donald Trump wanted to everyone vote on Election Day. If they start pulling towards, hey, we're going to handle Dropboxes and we're going to do this, what they should have done is provide monitors in these areas to remove doubt from it and made sure ballot harvesting doesn't take root. Uh, they could do a lot of those things. But Donald Trump won Election Day because he told everyone, just wait it out. I don't trust mail-in voting. Republicans got to change that message. Will, WRCN and Quorum, Will. Uh, yes, Brian, I'm, I'm, I was just listening to uh, uh, Fox, and uh, I think they had— uh um, one of the governor, uh, one of the senators on, and uh, alleging that they they tricked them into signing this bill. Uh, not that the Republicans signed, but yeah. they didn't make an issue out of the fact of the uh, farmers uh, not being 
you know. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't bring that up. Farmer, Black farmers got a bigger break than white farmers. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it happened. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. And you could always watch us on Fox Nation, too. I'm about to go on with uh, Stuart Varney, Varney and Company on the Fox Business Channel. And then I'll finish up with some calls. So if you want to line yourself up now, 1-866-408-7669, do it. Uh, and then, of course, if you ever want one of my books, BrianKilmeade.com. And if you go there, you could order any of my books, get it personalized, maybe for Easter. Uh, some people exchange gifts on Easter or Passover, or you could do it. So let's listen in. And look who's here. It is 10.51 on the dot. You know what that means. Brian Kilmeade joins us. All right, Brian, I find this difficult to talk about, but I did speak about it at the top of the hour, and that is President Biden's performance yesterday. I thought it was difficult to watch. I I know you're rolling your eyes, but watch this again for our viewers. Roll it, please. I want to thank the the, the, uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about. Brian, I'm sorry, but this is very hard to talk about. The president did not look good, confused, tired, and that is very troubling to me. What do you say? Well, the other guy that had the job uh, was working 22 hours a day, never stopped. All you have to do is look at his social media. Sometimes we kind of wish he would stop, but he never stopped working. He would understand where the Pentagon was, and you understand this guy behind me. We all get stuck on words and names. It happens to me all the time. But Lloyd Austin... Yep. The general, the Pentagon, the secretary of defense, that's not a nuanced office. That's a building. It's basically its own town. you got to be kidding me. The former general was right. I always call him the general. No, you just called him the former general. They're protecting him. I mean, they've circled the wagons around him, won't let him out, won't let him do a press conference. Uh, he's not. I, I mean, the the man is. He just doesn't look like the president of the United States should look like. I'm sorry. It's difficult to say, but that's where I'm coming from. And I'm it's very not concerned be- about. This. And it's not because he's 78. It's because of how he's acting. Because I see 78 year olds are still running marathons. That has nothing to do with it. Uh, and you know, he looks in fine shape, but mentally, I don't think he's. I don't think he's at his best. He's got. They got to pick his spots with him. And his spot is going to be whatever he has to do is going to handle his press conference uh, meeting with the media that is coming up shortly. He's going to handle that like he did the uh, the debates. He'll drill for it. He'll rehearse it. He'll come out with his cards and he'll try to get through it. But outside uh, some some direct questions about uh, from Fox, who's going to ask him about the chaos on the border? Who's going to ask him about the socialist agenda he's jamming down our throats? Who's going to ask him since when do we elect Bernie Sanders? He had his press secretary actually say this is the most progressive bill we've ever could, could ever get. Excuse me. You're supposed to be a moderate that goes across the aisle. The progressive is the is the 70 plus uh, unaccomplished senator from uh, Vermont. Bernie Sanders, and the fact that he's elated, there's a reason why they had to pull his nomination. The American public didn't want to elect him. He's got his pockets, but he doesn't have the public. He's adopting Bernie Sanders' agenda or what he knows of it. 
I've got to move on to Governor Cuomo. I'm sure you've seen this, but his publisher has stopped promoting his book, and New York State Republicans have launched an impeachment drive against him. He, d he won't resign. Do you think he lasts out to the end of his term? Well, I mean, what he's hoping for is, and it's right, uh, let's find out about this investigation. We should have that for everybody. Let's wait for the result of his investigation. But you have five women coming forward, and the last one, who was just interviewed today, said there are more women that are going to come forward. So there are more women that have experienced this. We'll see. Uh, that, if, if to that, waiting for the attorney general, taking on each attack one by one, I'm not sure that he can, uh, if this gets uh, too many, if it gets into double figures, I'm not sure he withstands it. But on the investigation with the FBI, it does. The attorney general, it does. And what he hopes for is to go move on to other things. And this becomes a yes. one-day story. Yeah. That's what he hopes for because he's got nowhere else to go. Where he was supposed to ascend after this, now he's not going to be able to get another book deal. Hmm. Serious stuff, Brian. I mean, we're talking about the, the condition of our president and the likelihood of the governor of New York State losing his job before the end of his term. It's serious stuff. And you know, Brian, it really is difficult to talk about this. I mean, no disrespect for the governor or the president. But it must be talked about. Well, can't to, ignore this. And my, my final thought is, look at where we were eight, six months ago. Gavin Newsom was the, uh, everyone was saying, wow, what a promising career he has. Look how great he's handled this oh, pandemic. Yeah. And Governor Cuomo, the same thing. And, it, and, and everyone was quick to go after Governor DeSantis and the President of the United States. The President of the United States was able to get that vaccine forward. His missteps are uh, clear. So is Dr. Fauci's missteps. Governor Cuomo was telling us this was we had nothing to worry about because our health care system is so much better than China's. Men, were they wrong? Mr. Don't wear a mask Fauci yeah. and Governor, this won't be a problem Cuomo. And now you have Newsom and Cuomo barely Go hanging on to their jobs. You got it, Brian. Sorry, got to go. Ten seconds left, but thanks for being here. See you next week. Coming up, big... All right, 1-866-408-7669. Let's go to Ralph with on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Ralph. Hello. Hey, Ralph, you're on. Hi. I got a quick question, uh, Brian. Do you think these other world leaders are looking at the president and thinking we're fools? because they're away the, the country's running right now with this administration? Absolutely. I mean, why would this country that is number one in oil and gas begin to get rid of oil and gas? Why would this country have to justify controlling its own borders? Ask any country from Bulgaria to Romania to the U.K. to France. You tell me who just lets everybody in their country? Nobody. And who after adding almost 400,000 jobs last month, who is primed to explode and get on the other side of this pandemic, who's finally making gains with vaccines, cases, hospitalizations, as well as uh, hospitalizations, as well as deaths. Why are we printing $2 trillion worth of money, uh, bills we don't have? I think they're looking at this and going, I just saw that press conference yesterday. The guy in charge can't put two sentences together. And now his policies make as little sense as that. I do worry about how our allies are looking at us, certainly even more our enemies. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show, briankilmeadeshow.com for the podcast. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up this hour, we're going to have Dana Perino at the bottom of the hour. It has a brand new book, Everything Will Be Okay is the name of it. And everything will be okay, which is, I want to reaffirm. And Senator Martha uh, Blackburn is standing by. So we'll get to both them. We know there's going to be a big day for uh, the stimulus package. We believe the House is going to vote on what the Senate left them, passed, and they might have it into play. $1.9 trillion into the bloodstream, 9% pandemic causes. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Are there more women out there? I'm not going to speak for any other women's experiences. I just know that there were there were activities that happened that if the public knew about it, they would be really shocked and appalled. Wow, that is analyst, one of Governor Cuomo's accusers. Is there more to go? If Governor Cuomo, you want him to resign, forget it. He says, you'll have to impeach me. Right now, they don't have the votes. Number two. It is not a COVID relief package. It's more of a progressives payment plan because it pays everybody it pays cities it pays states it pays prisoners one percent goes to vaccines less than 10 percent goes to covid relief covid stimulus about to pass that's what's happening with two trillion plus rescue plan we're going to talk about why the democrats are already talking about going back for more number one I would say it's clear we need to work more on, on getting the message out and being very clear. Now is not the time to come. Yes, we are. We have changed the policies of the last administration as it relates to unaccompanied children. But the majority of families, adults, the vast, vast majority are turned away at the border. Wow. Uh, OK, it's a crisis. Anyone who sees the border knows the border would conclude that what's happening at our border is actually beyond a crisis. more like catastrophe. I'll tell you why it seems the Biden administration might not mind. Seems as though they see potential voters. That's the only thing I could think of, uh, because right now we understand uh, they are allowing people to come in. They're trying to keep them, uh, process them and make it like a Ellis Island hub. Give them their papers and let them go into the country. And Friday's statement from Jen Psaki that if you're a minor, you'll be allowed to stay is a go sign, a leave sign to Honduras, El Salvadorian and Guatemalan citizens just to come to the border. That's why in about three hours, we're going to see a press conference from Governor Greg Abbott live from the border because she see, he sees a problem as uh, Senator Marsha uh, Blackburn joins us now of Tennessee's uh, governor. Welcome, Senator. Hi. Good to be with you. Thank you. I mean, we're, we're back at this again. Except for yes. in 2019 and 2018, I felt we had a president trying to solve the problem. What do you think we have now? What we have right now is somebody who is trying to appease people that think we should just have an open border policy, that sovereignty should not be a primary concern, and that it is compassionate. You know, and Brian, it is amazing to me. They continue to say, oh, it's compassionate to take people in. They're trying to flee their countries. But look at what we hear from these people. Oh, Biden has told us we can come. We want to come. We want to work. We want to get a job. Uh, we're coming in with a cartel, and the cartels are spreading drugs, sex trafficking, human trafficking, and gangs. That is what they're bringing into our communities. Look at what they're doing with the issue of COVID at the border. You 
are having people come in. They're not being tested for COVID. When they are, you're finding a large number of COVID cases, but these are individuals that are then going into our communities and we're just now getting COVID outbreaks under control. Here is what uh, Bruno Lozano, who is the mayor of Del R- in the Del Rio sector in Texas said, cut six. We're, we're, we're mayors across the border are placing a rock in a hard place. You know, we, we do want to try to find some kind of balance to assist these individuals that are, have become instantaneously homeless once they're released into our communities. However, we also have a fine responsibility to our constituents and to our taxpaying citizens and our communities. So Susan Rice went down there with the delegation, spent about a day and a half and came back, has not briefed the president. We just spoke to Congressman Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, and said no one talks to him. He's been trying to solve this problem for 20 years, working with both administrations on both sides. They have no interest in hearing from him because he sees he sees some valor and some virtue in controlling the border. Well, you're right about that. He is doing his best to raise the issue. As you well know, he has a record of working with Republicans and trying to work in a bipartisan way on this issue. And when you talk to individuals that live and work on that border, they will tell you their concerns with their property being overrun. Uh, It's impossible for these ranchers to continue their day-to-day operations. It is security in these communities. You're hearing from mayors of some of these border towns about what it is like for them. And bear in mind, Brian, if, if they continue to allow the cartels to overrun this border, every town in this country is a border town. Every state in this country is a border state because all of these problems are coming to your community. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, what I think is so disturbing is Jen Psaki's message when she says, don't come yet. What do you mean don't come yet? That The message should be there's a process to coming here. We have nothing against you. We could talk about making that process, make it easier if there's uh, if they feel as though at the highest level there's time to let more immigrants into our country. Let's do it. These are hardworking people who do, you know, who are um, uh, probably in many, in many respects in broad strokes be a huge asset to the country. But what do you mean don't come yet? You should come out through the process that's been put in place. Well, Brian, what we see happening with the Biden administration is they are laughing at the law and they are laughing at the American people. I find this to be absolutely terrifying. They want a wall around the U.S. Capitol, fencing and razor wire, but they don't want one on the southern border. They want to keep schools locked down, states locked down. And look at that spending bill, $350 billion to bail out blue states and blue cities that have mismanaged their pensions, that have not ever done a balanced budget, and now they're saying to to the federal government, crank up the printing presses because we need all the money you can right. print today. I just find it to be horrifying for our children and grandchildren 
our nation's sovereignty and for future generations. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a year to the day since we shut down the country, uh, you know, 30 days to slow the spread. And people are writing stories of the pandemic, how we got it wrong. There's one reason we got it wrong. It is China. That's why, because they still are not candid, and the WHO hasn't made them. They're looking the other way. And let's bring up China, because that's front and center with you. Listen to what Admiral uh, Davis said about, uh, about our possible conflict with China. Uh, how do you feel about our ability right now to defend Taiwan? Well, sir, as I articulated in my opening comments, I think our, our conventional deterrent is actually eroding in the region. And it's because of the, the vast advances on the charts that you were just looking at that the Chinese have um, undertaken in both terms of capacity over the last 20 years. And then in the next few years, the improvements they'll make in their capabilities as well. So are you guys aware of that? Oh, on the absolutely. Armed Services Committee? Yeah, I'm on Senate Armed Services Committee, and this is uh, Admiral Davidson and the hearing that we have going on right now. See, we are very concerned about military-civil fusion, which is what China practices, and they use their commercial sector, and this is, all these companies are partly owned by the Chinese Communist Party. And this is why we continue to say to U.S. companies, you cannot partner with these companies because they are part of the Chinese Communist Party. We also know great power competition is something that maintain, requires a lot of our focus. We have to push forward with pushing back on China. We cannot let China get a hold on what is going on with setting standards, with um, dominating drones and uh, ISR, which is Intel Surveillance Reconnaissance. We have to push back and defend Hong Kong, defend Taiwan, defend others that are in that ASEAN and that Indo-Pacific region. Well, Hong Kong, that ship has sailed. we got to make sure nothing happens to Taiwan, who might be able to defend themselves. But it's kind of... It's disconcerting to think that we are not ready with all the money we put into our military uh, to defend ourselves through conventional means against China because we have pivoted over the last four years anyway to focusing on China as an enemy economically and militarily. You also want answers. You want answers from the NBA. Why suddenly are they being broadcast again in that country? What kind of deal do you think they cut? You know, Brian, we don't know what kind of deal they cut, and we're trying to figure out because after you had the Maury comments in support of the Hong Kong Freedom General Fighters, Manager of Houston. Yes, they took the NBA off of China TV. So we want to know what the NBA has agreed to. It's why I have written Commissioner Silver yet again to get these answers. Is he going to censor players, coaches, and staff of the NBA? Has he agreed to support the Chinese Communist Party agenda? Because China TV is partly owned by the Chinese Communist Party, and they will not allow anything that is going to be disrespectful of the Chinese Communist Party or their agenda to be broadcast on China TV. We also want to know the economic impact of this. We had um, learned at one point that their agreement with China TV was worth about $3 billion a year to them, 
Plus, you have NBA licensed merchandise that is made in these factories in Xinjiang province and then sold to uh, consumers both in the U.S. and globally. And we know that some of this merchandise is being made with Uyghur slave labor. And the Uyghurs are the Muslim minority. It's an ethnic group in China. And a genocide is being carried out against these people by the Chinese Communist Party. It is absolutely horrific. And we want to know what the NBA's involvement with factories that are using slave labor. We want to know what that participation is. We know that they're very activist league. We know that black lives matter. Do Muslims' lives matter? We want to make certain that all lives matter and that when there are human rights violations, when there is a genocide, that it is called out by everybody. And the NBA needs to join us in calling this out. What about PPE? What is your worry about PPE in China? Well, you know, when you look at PPE, of course, we're worried about having that there's been some uh, less than standard PPE made by the communist Chinese. But also, we're looking at the critical supply chain, whether it is microprocessors, semiconductor chips, pharmaceuticals, or PPE, so that we don't get hamstrung again like we did a year ago this time when uh, COVID uh, cropped up and we could not get the active pharmaceutical ingredients we needed. Right now, we can't get microprocessors. We cannot get batteries that we are needing for well, uh, production here. I know. I went through a few uh, lots of the Chevy dealer over in Jacksonville, and they said that they could sell a lot more cars, but they can't get chips for the new That's cars. Right. So this is hurting the whole country. Uh, so, yeah. Senator, and they're controlling a lot of it, and so is Japan. We understand the pandemic shelved a lot of it, but I wonder how much is intentional. So, well, we are going uh, to continue our work to figure that out. China is an adversary. They are not our ally, and we need to be very watchful. I hear you. Senator Marsha Blackburn, thank you very much. Good to be with you. Thank you. You got it. one 408 I got Dana Prina with the bottom of the hour, but you guys are coming up next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. It is really troubling to see uh, the Republican Party turn themselves into a cult and, you know, basically pledge allegiance not to the United States of America, but to Donald Trump. I think this will eventually burn out. I hope it happens sooner, not later. I'm hoping, as I said earlier, that the Republican Party will find its soul. You know that I never would have called for that Hillary Clinton clip. Uh, but because I am so not a fan, she is obsessed with the Republicans and obsessed with Donald Trump. <laughs> she lost 
It took them four years to admit she lost to say how much they fear of Donald Trump winning again. And then they see the 75 million votes he got despite the constant attacks. And they wonder if he's coming back again. And that's why I worry that some of the, the attorney general in New York and others, we're going to put so much pressure on the people around the Trump and the Trump organization that they're going to try to hamstring Donald Trump so he does not run again because they think that he's probably going to win. It's a long stretch. It's a long time. But just keep remember this moment. Dana Prino is coming up shortly, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, I don't think she's really too worried about their, the Republican Party. Quick thing on some other issues. They got this Equality Act. Equality Act allows transgender. Among the things that transgender rights allows uh, men who are becoming women uh, to compete in women's sports at all ages, which, by the way, is not fair to women. Have you thought about that? Jen Psaki obviously hasn't cut 40. The president's position on the rights of transgender kids to play sports is clear. He signs an executive order, uh, and he believes transgender rights are human rights and wants to see kids uh, have the opportunity to play sports and participate in a range of activities. Great. Uh, there should be a transgender league then because it's not fair to girls and women because uh, Chris Everett would never want a Wimbledon if men were participating, nor would Martina Navratilova, who said something similar and got such backlash, she no longer says anything. But there are certain women in, in high school, girls in high school and in colleges saying, uh, I'm all for equality, but this is inequality to do this to women. That's part of that. And H.R. 1, redoing, uh, federalizing our election laws, which was never the founding father's intention. Now we find out today's rescue package is likely going to be voted on. If so, it'll likely pass the House, even though some liberal members uh, want some more crap in there, which is hard to believe. And then we have uh, a situation where they're going to go back for more. Chuck Schumer actually said he's going to go back for more after this. And what they really need is to get a look at what's happening at the border. And they do that, they have to have cameras at the border. So far, the administration's not letting them go there. Listen to Jen Psaki yesterday, cut four. Do look forward to, he's committed to, we are all committed to uh, allowing uh, cameras into these facilities. Uh, but we want to figure out the best way to do that, protecting the privacy of the kids in a way that's secure and safe. Right. We're protecting the privacy of the kids who came up unaccompanied in many cases without parents but very concerned about their privacy. When we come back, Dana Prino will be with us talking about her brand new book and what matters most to you, this immigration policy, where we're going in 2022, the future of the Republican Party, and so much more. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everyone. It's my privilege. If you're watching on Fox Nation, you notice her. Uh, she's fresh off her show, coming right on to our show. Dana Prino, co-anchor of America's Newsroom, just ended, and co-host of The Five, not yet started. As you know, Dana, it is over five hours away, so you have a big gap to fill. But the big story here is Dana's here not just to see me and be on the radio, but today's exciting. For the first time in a long time, you have a book out today. It's called Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. And Dana, I already know the inside story because you do mentor a lot of people. 
Yeah. And you do go out of your way to do it in a formal setting. And when did you realize that whole mentorship for for young women could be a book? Well, they're so hungry. There's uh, young women today. I find them very talented, uh, exceedingly ambitious. They've got kind of the, the world is their oyster right now. If you're if you're born in America, you've already won life's great lottery. If you're an educated woman in America, you're in the driver's seat. Um, but they're still wrapped with a ton of anxiety, a lot of worries. I'd be interested in your perspective, and I appreciate so much that you read the book. But you're a dad, and your daughters are a little bit younger than necessarily those who are in in the workforce right now. Yeah, eighteen and twenty. So, well, okay, you know, but I think that this book is perfect for uh, for them as they start to think ahead about how do they want to set themselves apart from the competition? Uh, what do they want to do? How do they figure out what they want to do? That's a really big thing that I hear from them. Right, and but more and more women are going to college. You're saying they're more likely, from what you've seen, to not know exactly what they want to do despite what they major in? Well, I think that sometimes you get a little bit stuck. I write about a lot of personal examples. You know, When I, um, I thought I was going to be in local news, uh, I planned that. I went to graduate school, got a student loan, was going to do local news. I loved the politics. Then I didn't like covering the other stuff, like crime. And one day I was sent to do an interview with a woman whose child had been murdered. And I was told, you know, get an interview with her. And I just found myself unable to approach her. Uh, too nervous, too worried. You know, I, and I realized that she might have wanted to tell her story. Um, I ended up going to, into politics, as you all know, that story, the White House and everything. And I come back, and now I get to do what I'm doing. But when you're in your early 20s and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, you can get really, um, uh, I was going to use a British phrase, like it's called bollocked up, where you're just so paralyzed and you want to succeed, but you don't know quite how to get there. And also to have the courage to change. So you're doing local yeah. news at the time. I remember I saw those tapes, by the way. <laughs> They're terrible. Uh, doing local uh, news at the time, and you said, I don't want to do that. Did you say to yourself for a brief moment, wow, did I just waste my time? Can I change? Well, you know what I did? I called my dad. And I said, you know, that was a hard phone call to admit that you might have chosen wrong. And I, I was afraid of what he might say or, like, maybe he would be disappointed in me. Um, and he did what great dads do, right? He said, um, well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll pick you up after graduation, come back here, and you take it from there, and it'll be okay. Part of the reason, you know, I, I titled it that way is that at each point I had tried to overplan my life, and even when I was – named press secretary, I, I went in that morning to resign from the White House. And Ed Gillespie said, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, I need to talk to you too. And he said, do you mind if I go first? And I said, sure, go ahead. And that's when he told me about becoming press secretary. Which is interesting uh, along the way. So you can plan your life out, but be open to change. 100%. Be open to, to circumstances. And that's what you try to tell people in that mentoring program that you began really in 2009. Uh, don't panic, have confidence in yourself to do it. And you also mentioned what I like about the way you set the book up. If it could be a series of axioms and statements, I get it. And they're all effective. It could be, uh, Dale Carnegie and Anthony Robbins, but you sprinkle it in with how people know you, the jobs you've had, the jobs you have, uh, and what you want to do. So then just like when you think to yourself, well, that's a good statement. Then you put it relevant into something that happened in your career. And one thing you talk about is too having the confidence. Sometimes people have more confidence in you than you have in yourself. And you saw that with Tony Snow. And people should, and you, and you tell these stories to recognize in your own life. So you're thinking to yourself, I can't handle this. And he said, all along, you've been showing me you can handle this. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Tony Snow, the late Tony Snow, I mean, 
God rest his soul. He was a really wonderful person. So I was going to be taking over for him as the White House press secretary. If you recall, Brian, he was very good at the podium. Uh, so knowledgeable. So really great with the with the English language um, and loved the sparring in the briefing room, which I didn't love the sparring. I liked the information exchange. And he was a superstar. So on his last day, he said, how are you feeling? And I said, well, not very good. I mean, how am I supposed to fill your shoes? I joke that he's 6'5", and I wear a five-and-a-half-size shoe. Right. And he made me stand up in my office, and he made me look him in the eye, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he shook me just a little bit, and he said, you are better at this than you think you are. A couple weeks later, I was rushing. I didn't have time to get all my prep ready for the briefing, and I went without any folder. I just went with one piece of paper where I'd scribbled some notes on, and I had the best briefing I'd ever done. And later I realized, oh, that's what he meant. I don't have to try to be just like him. I'm, I can do it just myself. I was and he also enough. showed you along the way. He gave you an opportunity to brief everybody and give, give everybody I think this is really and- important for managers that you have to allow your younger people to have FaceTime with the boss. Uh, and I continued that tradition. I allowed my deputies um, the last six months, every Friday, they could alternate briefing the press so that they had on-the-record experience. And in addition to that, I learned something from President Bush. It was my 10-year anniversary, and I was supposed to go on a trip. The financial crisis was happening. I told Peter, let's postpone. Came in the next day. I told the president, by the way, I told you I was going to be out next week, but I'm not. I'll be here. And he said, why? What do you mean? Do you not have somebody on your team that can fill in for you when you're not available? Because that's what I expect of you. And he wow. was right. You know, Tony Snow could fill in for me. I didn't have to do that. But it was a really interesting thing about teaching people to be better managers. Right. And I have a lot of advice in here about how you can move up from your first job or your second job into management and leadership. Also, you have to be secure enough in your job. A lot of people are too insecure to train someone to do your job. And, yeah. and they, that's why people are kept down, and that's why they move on, especially talented people. But you also said something very similar. We've heard this before, find a role model. And you got that from uh, Condi Rice. She said Condi Rice's uh, role models were mostly old white men. Yeah. You think about it. She would say, look at George H.W. Bush or the recently departed George Schultz. In particular, he was a very strong mentor of hers. And then uh, George W. Bush as well. Um, and I don't think that mentoring has to be as formal as some young women think so. It's almost as if they think they have to have some sort of written agreement with somebody and a set appointment time, and that if they meet with this mentor every month, then they will get the dream job that they want. I think of role models more along the lines of collecting them along the way. Um, and in fact, I met with a young woman yesterday. You probably, do you know Sadie Robertson? She's um, Sure, absolutely, okay. yeah. So I did her podcast yesterday. From the yesterday, Robertson family. Five million listeners on her podcast, by the way. I'm learning more about this young woman the last couple of months, listening to some of her work, interviewed with her yesterday and said, wow, she's a new role model of mine. Like, I admire her. So you don't always have to have formal relationships or your mentors or your role models don't always have to be older than you. You can find them anywhere. Absolutely. And you got to be open to it, especially in our business. We have everyone from people 15 years older than us to 22-year-olds who are breaking in, and yeah. you got to count on them all across. Yeah. So what you did is you, you wanted to have a dinner party, and you wanted to find out what other younger women were worried about. So how did that go, uh, and what did you pick from it? Because you already knew a lot because you were dealing with this already. Well, I, I, literally, Brian, all day long in my office, I could just do mentoring. I'm constantly asked, and I'm open to it, right? Could I have coffee with you? Do you have 10 minutes? Well, that's one of the reasons I did the book. 
so it's all in one place because I can't meet with everybody all the time. But I kept hearing these concerns and it felt to me that the quarter life crisis was following these young women into their 30s, even their 40s. And now with COVID, it's even more difficult because we've gone from this idea of that we're going to work from home for a while to now many people, especially young professionals, they are living at work. And if you have a one-bedroom apartment, there's no differentiation in your life. Yeah. And and they want to know, how do you move up when you don't have any FaceTime with the boss? Right? There's an uh, obligation to And there's almost no answer have. to that. <laughs> right. Except for Zooming with the boss, which well, you Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, of the, one idea I have is for people, you know, make two to three contacts a week outside of your initial group or your, your main team. So it's is a great time to network within a company or organization. For example, if you work here at Fox News and you're in advertising, but you don't know a lot about the operations side of the business or the production side, is there somebody that you can reach out to that says, could I just get 20 minutes with you? I'd love to learn about more about what you do. And I've seen this actually work a little bit so that you can have some cross-pollination and grow your network even within the company. You also talk about little things. Like you was trying to prove yourself. So when you're, when you're taking a long drive, when you know you're going to be walking, taking a long walk, uh, make it a university. Uh, find a podcast, right? I mean, Brian, you think about when we were in college, what did we have to do on the weekend? You know, watch reruns <laughs> or yeah. sports. Like right now. Find a documentary. There's no, yeah, if you could find them, right? Like it's so much easier now. You got to go to the VCR, is it Blockbuster and get all the stuff. And right now, everything you want to learn about is at your fingertips. Most of it is free. So I have a long list in there about um, some free universities. And I'm talking... The Ivy Leagues have free courses for people to take right now. I'm a podcast enthusiast. I really enjoy it. Um, I try to always be learning, ABL. And even if it has nothing to do with you know, what I'm going to be talking about on the TV that day, if I can be learning, I can be more conversational, and I can continue to grow my professional and my personal networks. All right. That's what's great about this show is like a lot of times I don't know their expertise. So you kind of you get, I guess on for selfish reasons to learn more. You also talk about the tone. Uh, tone, uh, take charge tone, right? So some people might be 6'2", other people might be 5'2". But you looked at Diane Sawyer and said, man, I love that tone. And that's the tone of strength that you're looking for because people can recognize uh, strength and certainty in tone. I have a strong opinion that we have to do something to help young people to stop talking in this way. It's not talking. It's... Do you know what it means? Like the Thomas Jefferson books about Tripoli, the pirates. Do you know what I mean? You, this is how young people are coming to the office. Now, they talk this way amongst their friends as well. But if you're talking this way in the office, I'm going to guarantee you something. You will not get the job. You will not get promoted. You will not get the opportunity to present in front of the boss. You will not go on the, on the big trip, uh, the sales conference, because you will not be able to sound confident. What I promise you is that a lot of people have no idea they speak this way they've just picked it up because that's and how the their likes, friends talk the like also it's a way to show that you're not confident in what you're saying that you don't have to own what you're saying if you everything you say is said with a question mark see you know i know you were and i heard you with bill bill i wanted you to ask you bill hemmer who you host with at nine you say i wanted you to ask your nieces about this Actually, I had to remind myself this is for women because I'm picking up most of this stuff as it goes 
across lines. Yeah. I mean, there's the the documentary, the podcast thing, making your car your university. If you're going to be in the car, you're complaining, I'm in the car all day. Well, how are you going to learn stuff? You know? I had a great conversation with a young man from uh, San Antonio. He writes for one of the papers down there, and he reviewed the book. And we got on the phone. He said, well, I promised I wasn't going to do this. But he was gushing. He loved the book. And he said, do you realize that you wrote a book for a young gay Latino comedian in San Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm thrilled to hear it. But I also feel like... Um, you know, I know that young women, they put a lot of pressure on themselves and they are just racked with a lot of anxiety that they can turn into fuel to to put it to productive use. So I'm hoping that for those dads, granddads, anyone who have a young woman in their life that they're concerned about, get them this book. It's an updated guide. I see it as a little bit more of a right. more serene version of Lean In. Uh, so Dana Prino's here. Her book is out today. Everything will be okay. So a couple of things. When you're saying that, this is what I realized. You know where the pressure comes from? It's opportunity. If if the society was keeping you down in the 1950s and you could be a secretary, I'd rather you not go to college. You don't really have to go to college. Now it's go to college. You can be anything you want. More women in college than ever before. Get out of this way because it's the women's air has arrived. Okay. It's arrived. Well, what if I'm not successful? It's got to be me. I can't miss this opportunity. That means I'm not good enough. I can't even blame obstacles that are in the way. That could add to the anxiety, couldn't it? In addition to that, Brian, that um, over 50, oh, I think it's almost 60%. It's definitely over 50% of households today. Uh, the woman is the main breadwinner in the house. So that's different from when you and I grew up. Absolutely. That's a big cultural change. And um, women are now um, doing everything. Think of Sarah Thomas. The referee at the Super Bowl, the first woman to referee at a Super Bowl. There's a saying that if you want to be her, you have to see her. Are little girls ever going to question again? Can you be a, a can a woman actually be a referee at a football game? No. Yeah, but they're they, like they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that lady, she did it. I saw her on the TV. She's got the ponytail. Right, uh, and I agree with you. I think we're, in a way, though, we're almost at a point now in society, which is for another time, that we're too conscious of. Well, the oh, first Irish and Italian that's running up this, oh, uh, I mean, I, that's heading up this organization. Like when the press secretary, Jen Psaki, um, she was asked a, a very legitimate, mer- meritorious question about Small Business Administration. And she said, well, I will have you know that Joe Biden appointed a woman to that position. It's like, well, so what? President <laughs> Trump had two women in those positions. Yeah. What about the question? Thank you. Uh, Dana Prima is going to stick around a little bit longer. We're going to find out if she needs to know more. Perhaps she does. Uh, if you read the book, she does. Uh, everything will be okay. Life lessons for young women. And by the way, her posture has also improved because you made it. You made it a priority. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, I could have done that. I know. I didn't know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. Did Ma- Is Major still there? There's a report that he left. And did he bite somebody? Did Major bite? I, I don't have any uh, I don't have any specifics. I don't have any updates for you, Mika, on on the reports about about an incident. But what I can tell you, as a dog lover, I know you are, is that Major and Champ are part of the Biden's family. Uh, they're members of the family. They often go to Delaware when the first lady's traveling, uh, and they're adjusting to their new home. But you know, I, I don't have any more on those reports. I just know that they're they're beloved uh, members of the family, and of course, of the White House family. I think we're going to find out if biting uh, somebody in the White House gets you kicked out of the White House. Dana Perino here. And, Dana, before you answer, I want to know if it's time if we know more. We played it, Brian. 
We played the liner. Oh, you we already did? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was thinking about something else. I didn't know we actually did the intro. Okay, great. Dana, what, what happens when, when a dog bites a, a person? Well, do, do you remember this happened um, when Barney bit the reporter? Do you remember this? It no. was huge international news because Barney was kind of uh, famous. You know, that was President Bush's beloved dog and uh, the son. Well, this reporter was messing around with... Uh, uh, Barney and Barney bit him, and then the, it wasn't that bad, but it was a significant enough event that it got attention. And you know, the, the reporter, at least that there was on camera, where he was basically trying to uh, put had his fingers, you know, in Barney's face. Not not cool. This situation sounds like a major had to go home. Absolutely being punished. Next, home sweet home. One in three remote workers say they will quit if they have to go back to the office. They polled two thousand Americans. 49% started a new job within the past year. 55% currently work remotely. Nearly 4 in 10 remote workers would rather take a pay cut than step foot back in the office. Can you believe that? Well, I, I, it, it's hard for me to believe because I love being back in the office, but I talked to a friend this week in publishing, and she, they did a survey at her big company, and nobody wants to come back to the office, and she can't believe it. But, I, I mean, hopefully people can keep doing their work. We'll find out. I think they're going to realize uh, people are much more productive when they're together, even if you're saving money, perhaps, by not having the office space you need. Next, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem to sign a women's fairness in sports bill which bans transgender athletes from participating in female sports teams. Good thing or bad thing? I think that's a good thing. And I would wonder where the other women's organizations are in terms of protecting girls' sports. I mean, they fought for Title IX. And where are they now? It's, Mar- very, it's very upsetting. Martina Navratilova yeah. came out against this. And she got blistered. I know. And uh, she's someone who took this slings you know, and arrows. Billie Jean King has a book out in August. We should ask her. Oh, we should ask her. She is a great interview, by the way. Dana Perino's book, Go Grab It Today. Everything Will Be Okay. Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. <laughs> and Dana's got a great event coming up in Jacksonville. See you there. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.